So, Lucy, how's the book going? I haven't touched it since last year. (laughs) This is right place, right time. And right now we're doing our best to get back into our projects. Last year hasn't isn't really that long ago because we're still in January. <laughs> yeah. But your schedule did go nuts, right? Yes. <laughs> I feel like the last, god, only like two weeks have been a year unto themselves. The TLDR is I started working part-time for a press in town, doing social media mostly. I'm in the penultimate term of my business degree. Still doing both our podcasts, and to make an already overwhelming schedule even busier, my boyfriend and I are now house hunting. (laughs) Yeah, so there's not much time for writing or sleeping, but I'm getting by. Yeah, good luck, Lucy. That is so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I know you'll be okay in a couple months, but like, that is a lot. And it is okay if some of the writing you talk about for the next couple of months is about your job, you know? Like, I'm sure you'll have things to say about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done a little editing on my book. I've done a lot of editing on my picture book, which is baby within a week or so of starting art phase, so that's exciting. But I'm also working on, like, a bunch of other stuff, including laying down the groundwork for a new kid-lit graphic novel pitch. And, like, this is a terrible time. This is This is the beginning of 2022 for the future. Um, it's a bad time to do or discuss research trips, but I had had one planned for over a year and we had a pretty safe way of figuring out how to do it because we were mostly just going to walk around outside. So I did one. I I did a research trip and I want to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. And I'm excited. I haven't actually had time to catch up with you about it because see the aforementioned everything. Uh, so I'm excited to hear how it went. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So, I mean, every book has different needs in terms of research and references. Um, And every book does need research and references Mm -hmm. to some degree, right? Um, And I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Uh, I maybe can get very swept up in this phase, like it's a phase I'm really interested in, but I try to not have it be something that I wait to start anything about the project before I do this research. I sort of assume that like living life is doing research all the time to get me interested in things and get me inspired about things to like have enough knowledge base to talk about an interesting story, right? Like <laughs> yeah. um but once I'm getting into something I can start to get a sense of what kind of research, what kind of reference I need. Um so like how deep you need to go, how broad you need to go. It really depends on the story, right? Like the tone, the audience, and what the focus is. I think focus is really important here because the tighter the focus, the like more narrow the research can be, right? You don't necessarily need to know absolutely everything about an entire country if you understand the city you're setting it in really, really well. Um, Because even the people who live in that city probably don't know every single nuance of detail about what's happening elsewhere, right? If it's a sci-fi novel and you're going to have speculative elements drive plot points, you need a good knowledge base and the appropriate topics to build off of. 
If it's historical, obviously you want to be immersed in that period so you know more than just aesthetic, surface-level vibes that anyone could fill in from just seeing a couple movies. Because if you don't, then you're likely to make mistakes that will break immersion for readers and editors, and you might even misinform people, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But sometimes it's just really important to steep oneself in a topic or place or something to get ideas. Going on a research trip is definitely a pretty extreme way of preparing for a book. (laughs) But on the other hand, I don't know, like my main novel project that we're discussing mostly other than today, (laughs) the main (laughs) one I'm talking about for this podcast, um, it's set in the city in which I live. And like living in your setting is pretty hardcore research too, right? Um, So I have this graphic novel idea that would be set in a place that is based on my childhood memories of the Boardwalk Amusement Park in Santa Cruz. Um, It's not really set in Santa Cruz, like the city itself, the town itself. Mm. Um, (laughs) It's very, it's really specifically in that amusement park. And I think, because like all of the action takes place there and then in a sort of like fantasy version of it. Mm. Um, And like, it's fun because this is also a place that shows up in like, the Lost Boys movie and that wonderful um, horror movie Us, like, this is a place that has inspired a lot of people, and I think I have a really weird, different thing to do with it. Um, But, like, my little brother worked at this place as a dispatcher for a while after college, (laughs) so I have access to his brain and his notes, which he's being very generous in sharing with me. And he, like, basically was my tour guide for this. Like, the two of us had a planned a strange little vacation that was mostly going to be like like we we drove <laughs> we drove through through the um sierras right after a week where you couldn't get through them at all so we we did we like found like this tiny narrow window where we could do this and then it was 60 degrees in santa cruz and we just ate picnic lunches and like stayed out of people's hair for the most part and it was great um but like it meant that we got to walk around the amusement park at night, which is wild. Like, most places you can't do this, but this is sort of a public space that never really closes. Mm. So you can, and it's it's off-season, so, like, the rights and stuff weren't operating, and we could just walk around. And there's just, like, random pop music blaring into the darkness, and all the rides were still and chained up. It was very evocative and really taught me things about, like, what kind of access the characters would have after hours and how close the beach really is, like, how visible it would be in some scenes and, like, how much or little it's changed since the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s or whenever we were there last. (laughs) And that kind of sounds like the dream, like, just walking around an old amusement park at night. Maybe just to me, but... (laughs) sounds so fun um (laughs) and i think i visited that boardwalk in high school my friend and i kind of went i think we went to anime expo or something but hit up various places in california kind of on the way or not necessarily on the way but like tangentially (laughs) yeah yeah it felt just like very quintessential california to my like or only having lived in oregon eyes (laughs) oh it really is like even down to the fair food that they serve, which is like, you have like fried artichoke hearts and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I miss that. Mm. I, I think I promised myself that like, if I finish the script for this book and I get a chance to return um, to this place, I will celebrate by eating fried artichoke hearts on the beach. Aww. So this is my, <laughs> this is my incentive. Yeah, like it, it was really dreamy. It was eerie. It was like, 
totally strange to just be walking around. And for people who don't know this place very well, it really is just like this big stretch of boardwalk that is right between like the main street and the beach. And it's pretty long. It has a historical roller coaster and a whole bunch of more modern rides and like a huge indoor kind of like arcade area that used to be like a therapeutic bathhouse in, you know, like a hundred years ago version of of wellness <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> it was it was that. And at the end of it, there is the bridge that is like heavily featured in um the Lost Boys movie. <laughs> so like it's you just like can't not see that because it's like an intrinsic part of the town. So it's really cool. It's a really beautiful place also in general. Like Santa Cruz is beautiful and an interesting kind of like counterculture hotspot and uh, a place that we went a lot when we were kids because we were um from the from the valley <laughs> and it's like half an hour away um maybe a little more than half an hour but depending on traffic right mm -hmm. so it's it's a really really cool place and there's wonderful nature in there as well and none of that nature is going to make it into this book which is very different from the enchanted forest um no one returns from the enchanted forest graphic novel that i just did in 2021 mm. <laughs> <laughs> will be like the polar opposite where i have to just draw man-made angular shapes and <laughs> oceans of toys and evil clowns and shit. Ooh. It's going to be good. I'm really excited. And speaking of that, I'm drawing this book, right? Because it's a graphic novel. And so I needed the photo reference too, in a big way. And that was a huge reason why I did this is that like, it's not that you can't find photos of this place, but I got my own photos and also just got to be there and to like drink in what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Because when you're drawing things, you're not just drawing what they look like. You're trying to draw what they feel like. And, you know, even if I were just bringing the place to life in words instead of words and pictures, I'd want to have that really good sense of what it is. Um, you know, like you're going to have to evoke what it feels like in words too, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I just want my own internalized version of it, like the emotional truth I'll be writing from, to be as rich and informed as possible. And that is the way that I'm looking at um, reference and research. I don't want to cheat myself out of cool ideas and emotional connection just because I didn't know what, what I didn't know. Mm. But there are so many other ways of research which are not um, wandering around in a you know, off-season amusement park at night. <laughs> Maybe not quite <laughs> in January, <as> though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a cool one, but there's so many other things that you can do. Um, yeah, take it away, Lucy. You have a couple. Yeah, so <laughs> my go-to one is stalking the place online. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes, and I mean, Google Maps can be surprisingly helpful, though it will only kind of show you a very limited view and from a specific time of like whenever the little like Google car was going around or whatever. But it can be kind of helpful and sometimes very detailed. Like some of the those views will even like go inside a place and sometimes you can see weird things if you like just sort of circle the property or something. I don't know. You you can kind of get a lot done, even just a feel for like what's around a place or like if there are fields nearby <laughs> or something. Um, so that yeah. can be surprisingly useful, I think. <laughs> At least as a good starting yeah. point. I think so. And then one I always like, um, this kind of comes from my parents and something they would do when we would be like visiting an area, um, is like looking up local publications or programs that are from that kind of local area. Um, local news and newspapers especially can be very enlightening. Um, they might give you an idea of what the locals care about, or at least the locals controlling the news, which is obviously not 
everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, that is incredibly useful for historical projects, too, because mm -hmm. you can read about what people were saying about the news, even, mm -hmm. in a lot of periods. Um, it doesn't go back forever with, like, perfect reliability, but we have commentary from a lot of times and places way before mass media. Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting way of thinking about um, about research, right? Where you're like, well, I don't just want to know what happened. I want to know what people thought about what happened. And I want to know what people thought about what people thought about what happened. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you may not need to put any of this in the project itself, but it's helpful to have that sense because it gives you, like, a more whole understanding. Mm -hmm. I think along those lines, like, obviously, there's documentaries and actual reference books, right? Like, that's the other place to start that's, like, the clearest one that you're taught to use, right? Like, documentaries is somebody, you know, somebody worked really hard to put together that information, whether or not it is the whole story and whether or not it is, like, biased or will help you with it precisely what you want to know, it will at least give you, like, all kinds of footage and, you know, they went and did some, you know, they did some footwork already for you, right? Which is a <laughs> nice starting point. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, like reference books that are actually people doing like nonfiction writing about these topics, always very helpful to have. Also, even if they are, again, even if they're biased and everything, like <laughs> still helpful to have this. Yeah. And it can be a um, good source of like where you can then go next with your research, you know, so that that can be Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if you mostly read it to find out what the references they used were, mm -hmm. that can be really helpful. Um, and it can take a lot of time to read through stuff like that. Uh, but there's other kinds of research that you might need to do. Um, we were, I was thinking about, like, yeah, documentaries and, like, local news stuff. Like, that's really helpful. But, I don't know, like, watching movies and TV series and plays and things like that that are in your genre or the period you're writing in or the, the place you're writing about, that will help you get a sense of what other people have said about it. Mm. It'll give you a sense of what's out there. You know, what it looks and feels like to be there, even if it's just a recreation for a movie. It's what somebody else thought was important to feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an, like, another interesting, like, probably should not be anyone's primary <laughs> research for anything, right? Like, even if you're making something that really is going to come from your love of, of a particular play, it's probably good to, like, reach outside of just the piece of media you're most inspired by because you don't want something to be to again like that sort of narrows the focus almost too much mm -hmm. like you're limiting yourself a little bit yeah um you know another thing that i really always do like we've talked before about music mm -hmm. and and how i use music for writing but i think making a playlist is a kind of research too um because i have one you know i've talked a lot about the one that i have for the novel um <laughs> for the novel that's set in that is set in in portland in the late 90s and just picking up music, not only music that they, you know, that they would like, but music that they would have been able to listen to at the time and would have influenced them. Like, I think that's really important. It sets the tone for what I'm writing. It is almost like what they could be listening to at that time. And it's a reminder of what music is important to these people and like what is important to those kids. You know, it occurs to me, though, that I just said, you know, watching movies, TV series, plays in your genre, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yeah, there's something about that that might be worth exploring, um, mm. because there's a whole other realm of research that could be easily forgotten. Because so you're not just on a fact-finding mission, right? You're also looking for things like, what does the audience expect in terms of level of detail? 
What is their knowledge base? How much do you have to work into your story versus how much can you expect readers to understand already, right? That you're not just doing research on the topic at hand, unlike the content. You're doing this sort of meta research on where your project is going to fit into culture. What do you think about that, Lucy? Yeah, I do think that is kind of important to know, like, I don't to, to get a sense of what other people are bringing to it that's maybe different or the same to what you are bringing. And you're not going to necessarily do that from within yourself, you know, like that. I feel like that is an important step in research is kind of like feeling out what else is out there and what other commentary there might be. Yeah, like I know this can become kind of debilitating, like this can be an excuse to not write anything, um, because you're like, well, everyone's already done it better, or this is so polluted with everyone's bad take, or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in any way, it's like, getting through that is probably helpful. I mean, certainly, if it just absolutely stops you in your track, and you know, like, it's okay to set that down for a while. But it's often something that like, um that an agent or editor will ask you about, right? Like, they'll ask you what your mentor texts are. They will ask you, um, have you read this freak, this recent popular book in this genre? Like, that is a question they're going to ask because they want to make sure that you're, like, whether your book as you write it does not have to be in conversation with anyone else's book, it will be read that way. And it's good to not get too caught up in that and obsess over it. It is also the case that if this is a tool you can have in your belt, where you can consider this, that might be good for you. And it might even be inspiring. Yeah, I think that's especially important if you're even not writing about like a a real place, but say you're doing like a sci-fi story, you kind of want to know what other sci-fi stories are out there. Like if you're writing about the life and times of a crew on a spaceship, you probably need to have like at least understood what Star Trek has done and what other things like Firefly and Stargate. I guess they're on a ship eventually in Stargate, but like you want to know what conversations are happening so that if you do like touch on similar things that have already been done, you're aware of that and trying to do it in your own way and not accidentally just redoing something that was all the conversation 20 years ago and that you haven't brought anything new to. Absolutely. Another kind of research has more to do with sensitivity. It's helpful to learn enough to know whether you're relying on tired stereotypes or oversimplifications that could be insulting to reinforce. You can always learn more from folks who know more about the cultures, places, jobs, and topics that you're touching on, and it might inspire the story to be even more interesting if you investigate further. And, like, there's a lot of ways to do this, and of course, it is impossible to do this perfectly, because guess what? Every individual is different and not actually, like, you know, some sort of representative of their cultural group who can sign off on whether you're doing your thing perfectly or not. Like, that's just not possible. (laughs) But you can find, you know, blogs and autobiographies and testimonials and other kinds of writing from people who've experienced things from the inside and get a sense of what their concerns and viewpoints are. And of course, you can ask people who are willing to discuss things with you. And you can even find people who are willing to be paid for consultation um, especially if you need to get, dive in really deep. Mm-hmm. And this is not just for like um, sensitivity readers and things, which are a really you know, like powerful resource, but also even just asking a lawyer <laughs> for help <laughs> understanding what their job actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are little little things like that that can kind of mess up a book where you're like, well, 
these characters all have jobs. What are those jobs? And if the characters aren't important and their jobs need to not play really heavily into the story, because it's like, it's a novel for kids and the parents are not important, it might be helpful to have a sense of like, well, I need to give them a job that doesn't eat into their daily life continually. So maybe a public defender isn't a good job (laughs) to give this parent if the parent is also like picking them up after school and taking them places all the time, right? You're like, maybe actually having a better understanding of like what people's lives actually are like, instead of assuming that a job is equally Un, like unintrusive, <laughs> unobtrusive. Yeah, yeah. It can be, in everyone's life, it can be easy to forget that like your experiences don't always map well onto other people's experiences. So just because your job sits, you know, firmly between like eight a.m. and four p.m. does not mean that every job does that. Even jobs you might think do, like teachers. Yeah, that's not. The, yeah, <laughs> that that sounds like what their job would be, but it's it's much more than that. It's so. not. <laughs> But you wouldn't necessarily know yeah. that if you'd only ever been a student and didn't know a teacher personally. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about, like, it's so easy to just cast characters as, like, what is a cool romantic thing and to not consider what the politics of that are in their lives, mm, right? Yeah. Like, is 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 cellist a job, right? Well, cellist is definitely a job for many people, but do you understand as a writer what goes into somebody having a full-time job as a cellist, like where where would they be mm. and what would they've had to do to become someone who gets full-time work as any kind of musician, yeah. let alone someone in an orchestra, right? Like those are things where if you don't know that you would need to know, probably a good indication that you gotta do some research. Um <laughs> and 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 while basically everything is like this, there are definitely things that you can kind of like people can all fill in more easily because they have a more like similar knowledge base. Mm-hmm. It's something that's a more universal experience. Um, yeah. Or a more like I don't know. popularized experience. Like we have a good sense of, I think, what doctors do because there are so many like medical dramas and stuff, but you still might want to actually talk to a doctor about what that really looks like. But like yeah. if you're just writing like side character is a doctor, you know, that's more of like a thing where the public consciousness is more aware of because it's just it has come up a lot. Yeah. And everybody interacts with doctors at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a very like real part of everybody's life at some point or another, even if you're not doing it as part of your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have like the more traditional idea of what research is and talked a little bit about things you could do for that. And then an understanding that sometimes what you're researching is like a more meta level, not so much the 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 exact content of the book, but what is going on in your field right now. And then the sort of sensitivity research that is tricky to do, but also important and very connected to both of those two things. Mm -hmm. And some of that you want to do, like sensitivity readers are great, but that's kind of more at the end of the process, or at least the middle of the process. Like they're reading a thing you have done, (laughs) but you might want to do research on the front end so that you can avoid some of those things um from the beginning and not build in something by accident that is going to be harder to edit out later absolutely that's part of why i haven't started the script until i went to santa cruz Mm, right yeah even just getting a sense of like who's here like who lives here Mm -hmm. like that's a really helpful thing i don't know walking around santa cruz i learned how easy it would be for my characters who are a bunch of kids to still be at the boardwalk park once 
rides were being shut down because mm. it never really closes to the public. And while I could have read that information on their website, I'm not sure it would have, I'm not sure I would have understood it so thoroughly if I hadn't actually been there and walked around myself. Mm-hmm. Also, seeing the equipment used to transport staff and maintenance workers and folks, like, that really gripped my imagination. So now I need to work some shenanigans with, like, stolen golf carts and stuff. And, <laughs> like, that's going to be really fun. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, any research that you do is going to inspire interesting new things in the story. It's not just to make sure you don't get things wrong. It's also, like, it's going to enrich it. Because I think that working from your own experience means doing mental gymnastics to see your own life as research. Mm. Because it is. Yeah. Which is interesting, because, like, Lucy, you know, you're working on this D&D novel, and you do actually play D&D, and you have people in your life you can talk to about the inner workings of the game. So it's got to help inspire your story a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I have a lot of friends, like you said, who have been playing D&D longer for me, and, like, more consistently longer than me. Like, I started playing when I was, like, 13 or something in the late 90s god 2000s whatever i was young it was version three (laughs) but i haven't played i hadn't played for about like 10 years in there or whatever and never played to quite the intensity of some of my friends um like i've never dm'd or dungeon mastered or run a game uh depending on your experience with dungeons and dragons (laughs) but and i don't really have a particular interest in dming like that's not really where i see my fascination with the game so it's very vital for me to be able to talk to the people in my life who do that, like, consistently, um, just kind of so I can understand both their experiences with it and also just kind of the, like, the mental process that goes into wanting to do that and then planning to do that and, like, the actual technical way to do that. Because <laughs> I understand how to build a story, but not necessarily how to build a story that people can walk around in, you know? It's different. <laughs> oh, Yeah. And for me, with this project, having so much to do with, you know, playing D&D, I can watch YouTube videos and, like, listen to podcasts. And there are so many actual play podcasts out there right now. Like, I love The Adventure Zone. (laughs) It's very fun. I know I should listen to Critical Role, but there's so much of it. And each episode is so long. And, oh, I'll get there. (laughs) Uh, And obviously, those don't necessarily represent the exact way a game will go down because you're doing it uh, for a lot more of a, like external audience than you would normally in a game but it still kind of gives you a chance to see how different players handle things and how different dms like approach story and setup and all of that but actually playing the game is kind of the best way for me to do my research even if i'm just doing occasional like one shots it's good for me to try different characters and get a feel for what is important to the different classes and like what i would be thinking of as a player who does this type of character or that type of character And honestly, in all of this, I'm probably going to have to DM at least a one shot before I like (laughs) finish this damn book. You will. (laughs) God, because one of my main characters is a DM and it's so important to her character and like part of how she thinks about things. So I'm going to have to do it. I'm a little scared of DMing, but I'm sure ultimately it will be fun. (laughs) That is definitely a task for after I graduate, though. Yeah, I love it. I think that that's a really interesting way of thinking about research and references <laughs> too, right? That sometimes you have to have an experience yourself or how are you going to write about it? And there are many experiences our characters can have where like, I'm not going to fly a spaceship. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have to deal with that at this point in my life. I'm probably never going to fly a spaceship. Um, but what can I do that's going to 
tell me a little bit about what that is like and whose experiences are going to be closest to that. Mm -hmm. Like, if I can't experience it myself, I need to have a good sense of whose experiences I should be learning from and researching. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So one thing I also wanted to bring up while we're kind of talking about research and stuff is how, like, completely okay it is to use references when you're doing things. As a teen artist or whatever, I was I always kind of felt like I shouldn't need references, especially for, like, visual art. That I should just, like, know what an apple or a squirrel or a hand looks like without having to, like, look at it. That that was kind of intrinsic to being an artist. But there's nothing wrong with using references. <laughs> like, maybe you know what a sunflower looks like, but that doesn't mean you know, like, how the petals are exactly supposed to be shaped or how to position the stem and the leaves unless you've actually, like, studied it from multiple angles to kind of see how that actually works. Absolutely. In writing and art and everything else, research and references are a more focused way to absorb things so you can understand them. You internalize them and create something new that's both from your internal self and the external outside world, right? So in both writing and drawing, if you adhere too closely to the reference, it'll feel a little too studied and obvious and, you know, probably on some level copy what you're referencing. But that can always be worked out in editing or just by taking another crack at it with even more knowledge and practice under your belt. Mm. Yeah, like, and I think the writing equivalent to this might be, I really like writing things in a very, like, kind of like, I don't know, almost Victorian writing style. Like, I wrote an alternate ending to Jane Eyre for a class, and I loved it. And I love writing <laughs> in, like, that kind of, um, well, I have a whole unfinished story that has to do with like a spinoff of um sherlock holmes and i love writing in like that style sometimes and it's a very similar thing where i have to like kind of immerse myself in writing of those eras and really get that cadence down but i also don't want to be just repeating things that have already been said in those books like i need to put another spin on it so i want to be immersed yeah. in the references but still like clear about what my actual vision is is yeah, it's really, it's actually really hard. And it's our job. <laughs> it is literally what the job of being a writer is, is to, is, as I was saying, like, you have to do research and experience things, internalize it so you can externalize it in the form of writing. Like, you don't want to just copy what you're seeing, but you also don't want to be arrogant enough to think that you should never have to look something up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, so we're close to signing off here, but let's do a, a brief little foray into our goals and progress so that we can give each other some homework. <laughs> okay, so my main goal is just, like, survival. <laughs> At least yeah. for the next, like, Fair. five and a half months. I'm counting them. Each, each month, I'm counting carefully. <laughs> yes. And I did manage to have a really fun and inspiring one-shot D&D session over winter break. Uh, so that did give me some, like, fuel for my story. And we, you know, have been playing every week until this madness began. So I do get a good amount of, like, D&D inspiration. Um, so I think for a while that's all just going to kind of, like, percolate, hang out in my brain a bit. Uh, it is frustrating because in many ways I'm, like, really eager to get working on the story again. And on my next one, which I haven't talked about much, but I'm really excited to write it. And I can't write it until I finish this one. Oh, yep, I know. <laughs> uh, but there are truly only so many hours in a day. And the reality right now is that I really need to focus on my new job and on finishing my degree. 
I already enjoy this job. I'm really excited. And I really hope that, especially if I can like put enough time and effort and, you know, energy and emotion into it right now, it will eventually turn into more hours after graduation and not just be part-time or not be quite as part-time <laughs> as it currently is. So there is one tip I can give for other people experiencing extreme but acute busyness. No matter how much else you have skittering in the back of your mind, try to be very focused on whatever you're currently working on. Before I start something, I try to take a deep breath, center myself in the moment, and then try to stay present and save the worries about other projects until I finish what I'm currently working on. Otherwise, it's very hard to get anything actually done because I'm too distracted by all the other things I could be working on. So I'm really trying to just, like, be prepared to move from one thing to the other, but when I'm in one thing, be fully in it. Yeah, that's so hard. Mm -hmm. I think you're doing amazing. Aww. Um, seriously, you're rocking this, and I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I am hoping to have some time to sink into each of my projects in the next couple of months. I'm really hoping to finish a bunch more editing on my novel so I can turn it over to my agent again for another round of critique. Like, that's my big goal right now. Yeah. Um, but of course, I also am waiting on editorial feedback for the picture book, <laughs> and that really matters. Like, I, that will sort of supersede, like, anything else, because it has actual deadlines, um, and everything else is just, I want to be putting work into new projects so that I have a new thing on my plate as soon as possible. Because mm -hmm. that's the freelance life. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so Lucy, I think your homework is to maybe just get a few notes down when you do think about your project. Um, but mostly just don't die. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can manage that. Uh, your homework, Robin, is to keep working on that picture book, hopefully get to the art part soon. Uh, and also keep editing, editing your book and kind of let that research that you just did sit a bit and start kind of inspiring that other project. So when you're ready to work on it, it's, you know, ready to be worked on. <laughs> That's good. That's good for me to be reminded that I don't need to, like, immediately bust out a perfect outline where I just understand every character and every motivation perfectly. Like, yeah. it's good to be reminded that, like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> The research, the research doesn't demand an immediate move on it. I took lots of notes. I took lots of photos. We're good. Yeah. All right. So thank you, everybody, for joining us in the right place, which is wherever you happen to be. At the right time, which is whatever time you've got. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at RightPlacePod or on our individual Twitter accounts at Lucy and Bookland and at Robin Robinsonia. Happy writing! <laughs>